this week I want to look at uh, starting here in verse 225 and then spending most of our time in the beginning of the next chapter, chapter 3. It starts by saying that, um, well, 224, I guess, right after... Um, Right after Adam says, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, which is just everything I just uh, tried to describe there. Uh, Her identity is the one she was taken out of. I know that might, uh, you know, bother, you know, I mean, some women, you know, just because of, maybe because men have exploited or for natural reasons, those kind of, the, the difference in roles and origin and all that kind of stuff you know people can do gross things with with this but but it's it's true in the picture here her her origin is 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 the first man and our origin as the church is the second man but anyway then it says therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife this is clearly just a picture of what um, of what christ did um, not that he really had a mother, but the picture here is that he 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 leaves his father and 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 comes and joins himself to to the wife, and they become one flesh. Well, the, in in this in the fulfillment of this picture, they become one spirit. First Corinthians six seventeen: He who has joined himself to the Lord has become one spirit with him. One spirit with him, and that that joining language right there of Paul in First Corinthians six is very intentional. It's the joining of a marriage, the joining of union, the coming together. But then it says here in verse two twenty five, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now um, this may go without saying, but um, what is this nakedness that they're talking about here? I mean, I think in the in the picture and the story. Uh, I mean, certainly, I think there was there was natural nakedness in, in, involved, but I don't think that's what we're supposed to just. I don't think that's what we're supposed to to see here, or, or really. Uh, it shouldn't be the. It's not like what I'm trying to say. It's not like they just like discovered that they didn't have any clothes on, and that's the big issue. Like, whoops, you know, I've been walking around here for a few days or months or however long it was, and I am buck naked. I never knew that. You know, that's not that's not the uh, that's not the issue. I, I think what happens, what you see here, is that they were not. What were they not ashamed of before before the fall? Well, everything about them was, at least in a type and shadow way, corresponding to their created purpose. Perfectly in a... There was nothing in them that was shameful. There was nothing in them that was not covered with the purpose and the glory of God. Again, at least in a type and shadow way. I'm not talking about the... uh, the fulfillment where we actually come to the greater glory in Christ, but at least in a natural way, they were, they were in alignment with, they were congruent with everything, everything in natural creation. Before the fall, was every aspect of natural creation was congruent with the mind and purpose and will and and the types and shadows and pictures of God's eternal purpose in Christ. Everything was. And Adam and Eve were like the crown the, the of that of the types and shadows. They were the greatest uh, and the highest, uh, or or the, or the you could say the fattest arrow that pointed to Christ. In so many ways that we've already talked about. We spend time talking about that in this in this class. And and so. 
um, God, in a sense, was their covering. He, he was the way that they saw themselves. He was the perspective that they had of themselves. He, he, was, he was what they understood about themselves. He, they didn't see themselves apart from his perspective. Now, see, that's what changed. That's what changed. They were clothed in his purpose. They were clothed in his perspective, his glory. That is to say, his revelation of himself. And so I say when I say it wasn't talking about physical nudity. I'm not saying that they weren't. They didn't. I mean, well, I don't even. To me, I mean, it's a lot of people. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail. But a lot of people get off on tangents about how literal or historical the whole garden story is. And I believe it's historical. I believe it's, it, it happened the way it described it. But I don't believe that the point of it is to just tell a narrative. I believe the point of it, even as we'll get onto in a little bit here uh, when we talk about Satan, I don't really think the point uh, of, of the story is for us to sit down and figure out how a snake could actually talk. Um, there are commentators that spend pages and pages and pages talking about how you know this kind of reptile actually has a more developed voice box than this kind, so it must have been this kind that actually spoke in the gar i mean you know and then there 's other ones that really get 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 down to uh, you know just proving that the Garden of Eden was in between the you know Euphrates River and the whatever, and here it is. You know, and it's in present day. You know, whatever Guam or I mean, that's not where it was. But you know, my point is that uh, it doesn't really matter to me exactly. Again, don't 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 hear that I'm not. I don't believe the Bible. I totally do in every way. But the point of it isn't that you walk away with a history lesson. The point of it is that you see something through this story. And and it's and the thing you're supposed to see in this in this sudden realization of Adam and Eve is not that they finally realized that they were walking around without clothes on. You know, that's not what you're supposed to and because then you, your next thought is, well then how did they not see that before? Because they were you know, whatever. The point is that something changed in their awareness of themselves and there was a reason that it changed. Something happened. Okay? You're supposed to see through the image here, the picture, the story, a greater reality. What's the greater reality? Well, suddenly the this man and this woman were were, were absolutely self conscious. They began to look at themselves. They began to see their lack. We'll get to this in a little bit more, but I'm just kind of trying to deal with this, this verse before we move on to chapter 3, this, this reality of being naked and unashamed. They, they were, prior to the fall, they were, they were not conscious. They were not self-conscious. I don't mean they didn't know they existed or they never like brushed their hair or anything. I just mean that their way that they looked at life wasn't primarily like like it is for us entirely based on focused on flowing from self-consciousness they and you could say it was based on god's consciousness of truth you know god's awareness of reality god's and and again, I don't I don't want to qualify all this a million times, but I know that that new age people and you know do weird things with the word consciousness and God consciousness. I'm not talking about any of that that weird stuff. I'm just saying that they 
There was nothing in their mind yet, in their heart yet, that wasn't in alignment with God's created purpose. They were just like the trees that, that uh, in a sense, that dropped acorns into the ground and brought, fa- but brought forth an increase of a seed. They were pictures, types and shadows, corresponding perfectly with God's intent for creation. And it's wonderful that, that uh, what God created them to be and the picture of Christ that's there and the picture of union with the body and the creation of the church and the life that comes out from his side and all of that was, and his government and kingdom and increase in the land and all of that is just a wonderful picture there. But they lost that. They lost, they lost that, that view. They, they, they lost, they lost all of that with with the the arrival of a lie and 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 what that lie a lie did is it it in a sense it took away this covering from them a, a way of seeing themselves knowing themselves fully clothed in god's perspective and glory and purpose and 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 you could say in a sense that the rest of the um the rest of the story of the bible up until the cross is is the story of a people trying to remove the shame of the of the fall the shame that Adam and Eve immediately were conscious of and trying to find a new covering a new covering that uh that somehow well the, the story of human religion this is really what religion is. It's it's man attempting to cover that nakedness with something less than God's thought, you know, God's son, God's true covering. Adam and Eve quickly grab a you know a bunch of leaves and make some kind of a I don't know some kind of a hula skirt or something and put it on, but they. You know, God quickly replaces the the leaves with an animal skin as kind of a type and shadow, a picture of of a sacrifice, of a a covering of 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 life, a covering of 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 a, of a living being, which is a picture of Christ there. But, uh, but but I guess what I'm trying to say about religion, if you, if you search the origins and don't I'm not recommending you do this because it's just a waste of time it's like walking around the neighborhood sniffing all the garbage cans it, it, trying to make sure that every one of them has trash but but if what I was going to say is if you if you search all the religions of the earth for their origins you you find somewhere at the base of 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 their uh their existence, this desire of man to somehow deal with human guilt and shame and somehow cover themselves in some way or another, whether it's with good deeds and good acts or whether it's, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the more Eastern religion versions that have to do with like re- removing our, our physical and, and, uh, you know, emotional fleshly passions, you know, or whatever, whatever the, Whatever the version, it all goes right back to to Adam and Eve in the garden grabbing some fig leaves and trying to hide from God so that he wouldn't see what they really had become by separating themselves from him. Well, that didn't work, you know, God saw it. 
and God has always seen it, and God begins to describe it. We're going to get to this in a few weeks, you know, in Genesis chapter 5 and 6, when he starts, God gives us like five or six separate descriptions of what he thinks, what Adam became without his covering, without the covering of his life and nature and glory and truth. And and it's and it's ugly. It's really ugly. And it demands the flood. It demands the cross. It demands a judgment of the entire earth. But but you know religion that religion is just that. It's just really a way to try to cover up Adam and make him feel better about himself and make him somehow deal with guilt in a false way with a false covering. You know, and it involves all the same crud that you see right there in the garden. You know, they blame each other. It's his fault. No, it's his fault. No, it's the serpent's fault. You know, it's 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 uh, uh, false coverings, hiding from God, blaming one another, eventually leading to murder. I mean, it's just it's just all that stuff. And uh, and it all started right here. You know, it all started with losing this this covering and suddenly being completely consumed with self-awareness self-awareness now see that goes away little by little by the renewing of the mind but that goes away in Christ and that's one of the most awesome i mean how do you how do you i don't know how you make a list of what the most awesome things are of being in Christ but one of the one one of the most wonderful things one of the things that i hated about myself in christian religion that tormented me was this constant sense i'm not saying i'm totally free from it now by any means so don't don't go don't go there but 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 certainly a whole lot freer than i ever was before was this constant nagging self-awareness, self-judgment, self-grading scale that I put myself on, always trying to find out where I stood, how I was doing, who I was better than, who I was worse than, how were people seeing me, am I succeeding, what's God's grade for me today, did I just fail the last course, you know, or with the church, or with ministry, or... I mean, the whole thing was just, I had brought self-awareness into Christianity, and I had made my Christianity about my self-awareness. And it was just such a mess. I just hated, I hated constantly evaluating myself, wondering how I was doing, and how people thought I was doing, and who was noticing, and who wasn't noticing, and if God really thought this or that. And then I'd hear someone say that God really liked me, and I'd try to believe it, and then I kind of lost the view of it, or never had, the, never had the view of it, or whatever. And it was just this constant, annoying, unescapable nature that was constantly navel-gazing. You know, I was just looking at myself. And, man, I'm so thankful to the Lord for the cross because the cross doesn't just tell you to look somewhere else. The cross kills the man that you've been looking at. The cross actually eliminates the man that you've been trying to grade for your whole life, that you've been trying to improve, the one you've been covering with fig leaves, you know? And, and he just gets rid of that whole man. And, and gives you a a whole nother man, you know, a whole nother life that and, and the self consciousness, that feeling of constantly being self aware, self condemned, self whatever. Just in the light, as you grow in the light. Again, it's not like an overnight 
thing. It's just waking up from this Adamic sleep and 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 seeing with the light of Christ and realizing that he is the way by which God is relating to you and he is the covering well God, God starts we're going to see you know over the next 5 10 years as we do this study we're going to see this covering come back up again and again and again and again and we'll see it you know several times in genesis i mean the one that pops in my head right now is you're going to see a a liar a, a second born son that has no right for the to have the inheritance and the birthright we're going to see that guy appear before his father clothed in the merits of the firstborn and fully be accepted. A whole nation, because Jacob and Esau represent two nations. God told, tells that to, uh, to, 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 to their mom when, when, when she was praying about what's this going on in my Like the babies were like fighting in their stomach or something. I don't know. Uh, and, 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 uh, and he says, what's going on? And he says, you know, the, in, in your womb are two peoples, two nations, the first and the second, Adam and Christ, Israel, the two Israels, whatever. And, but then you see the second appear before the Father, fully clothed in the merits of the firstborn and received and covered. He's Not only does he have the clothes on, he has the smell of the clothes of the firstborn, the smell of the firstborn, and the offering of the firstborn. He's got it all. And the Father bless, kisses him, smells him, blesses him, and sends him off with the blessing, you know? And, uh, anyway. I'm totally not getting anywhere, but... Um, that was supposed to be just a, 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 a quick little, uh, mention there of that one verse, but I don't know. For me, that's just a really, really big deal. Okay. So in, in Genesis chapter three, uh, it st- it introduces the, uh, the serpent and the, the serpent, uh, the devil, the adversary, um, Anyway, we we get introduced to this this being, um, and uh, called the serpent, and, he, and, he, and he's you know, and 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 and, and uh, it's it's pretty obvious. I mean, it seems it, it's certainly universally accepted that this serpent is is Satan, and uh, and yet again, sometimes I, I think we focus on. Um, on, on or, or we let the the natural imagination go wild, or we focus on the specifics of um, of the, his, the history here, the story, and I think we miss so much of what's actually happening, and and so much of what God's showing us. In other words, we, we try to figure out like who Satan is and where did he get there from? How did he? Where did he come? What did he sneak in the garden? I mean, and we we we. we Talk so much. I mean, the church today. There's all, all. There's so many books. I used to read them all the time, uh, especially when I was kind of doing the homeless ministry and was trying to do deliverance ministry with that and trying to figure out Satan and how he worked, you know, and how to cast him out of like drug addicts and and um, you know, so you had to you had to figure out all their names, you know. So you had to. There's like this hierarchy. And if you come across a demon of sin, those ones go pretty easy. But if you come across a demon of like uh, ancestral. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably scaring most of you to know that I was involved in this stuff. But anyway, it, 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 there's just we, we get really interested in like who is Satan and how do I beat him up and like what's the most powerful weapon I can use against him and let's pray and fast and march around our city and 
and do stuff. But but like I think we and all of that, it, it like fascinates the natural mind. It, it it it's interesting to the flesh. But I think we kind of miss the whole purpose of 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 what we're supposed to uh, understand about Satan and how how he or it or whatever functions and governs or or or, or operates his nature in the Adamic man. I mean, we're so we're so much of the time trying to like uh, at least in charismatic churches, you know fight him in external ways and resist him in external temptations and such that way i don't i don't i don't think we realize what happened here in the garden i don't think we realize what happened to the soul of man when we believed his lie some some people have asked me and, and i don't know the answer to these questions and, I, and honestly i probably never will i, I doubt i doubt that Growing up in Christ will one day mean I figure out uh, exactly what this talking serpent was. You know, was it literally a talking serpent? Was it some kind of a vision they had? Was Satan in the serpent? Was the serpent Satan? Uh, I think it's in uh, Clark's uh, commentary. He he spends um, an amazing amount of time trying to prove that uh, that the serpent wasn't really a serpent at all. It was an orangutan. And uh, I know that sounds really weird, but he he uh, <laughs> it is really weird. But um, he 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 gives all of these proofs that the word translated serpent is translated a a bunch of different other ways throughout the Old Testament as different other other animals, not just serpents or not just reptiles. And he talks about uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into all that. But my point is, I don't really care about that stuff. What really matters to me is that this being uh most people think he's a fallen angel um fine that's that's fine um the reason i say that's fine and that's not that that's it is because i don't want to pretend like i really understand what that means or or why i mean it's easy in the natural mind to protect to to, to imagine this like gigantic angelic battle and and one third of the angels being cast down to the earth and whatever and i guess you know that's that's an easy thing for us to think about, but I don't really know what that means or or how that works or or even exactly what an angel is or how it could have rebelled or why it would have been sent to earth or you know all those those are i, I don't want to those are things that I think are kind of generally assumed as just making a whole lot of sense um but I always get kind of scared when I feel like I'm assuming things um but anyway, it, it appears that that there's it's it's some kind of a being. But more than the reason I say the reason I don't speak very dogmatically about it is because more than just a being, Satan is spoken about in the Bible as a a nature or a a kingdom or a god of this world or a prince of this world or this realm, um, but not just one that just sits on some fiery throne down in the center of the earth and like tells demons what to do, but rather one that actually has liberty to exercise that nature, that government in and through the Adamic man. 
And I don't necessarily think that that means that Satan, the being, or the the angelic creature or whatever, is running around everywhere and whispering in everybody's ears trying to tell them uh, what to do. But rather that the nature that you see presented here in the lie to Adam and Eve, a, a, a lie that they accepted, a lie that they became, a lie that they ate. They ate the lie. I mean, they didn't just believe it and later change their mind or something. They actually became the living expression of this nature. Now, I know that sounds maybe harsh, but I believe that the entire New Testament, including the words of Jesus, make it really plain, scarily plain, that when that there's really just two natures, that there's really just two natures that can work in a human soul, that the human soul was created to be a vessel for a nature, and and that that choice, that option is given in these two trees. And choosing their own knowledge of good and evil, or choosing the knowledge of good and evil, uh, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they... The, the reason they chose that and the lie that they believed before cho- 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 uh, choosing that tree made them into a, a kind of like a living expression or a living kingdom that gave expression to that nature. Okay, now I, I'm not being too uh, sounding too complicated or, or convoluted. I guess what I'm trying to say is this what I see in this story is that Satan, however he works or whatever he presented himself as or or in whatever way they saw him, heard him or believed him, whatever however that it, it involved whatever that involved presents Adam and Eve with a lie. And the lie is more than just false words. The lie is actually a way of viewing their own lives, their own purpose, their own relationship to God. The lie is that they can be something without God. That's what it is. That they are something, that they have value, that they have that they have something, anything. That they have life, wisdom, understanding, knowledge of good and evil, that they can be like God. I mean the the whole substance of this lie is that Adam is something apart from the one who makes him something. You see, it's and that's what they believed. And in believing that, they became, uh, they actually became an expression of what they believed. They didn't just, I want you to understand, they didn't just get their facts wrong. The lie is much, much bigger than getting their facts wrong. I mean, it's true that it was plain old false, but the falseness of it became the way, the lens through which Adam and Eve started to see everything. And and I guess what I'm trying to get to, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here with the lie, but what I'm trying to, 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 to suggest to you is that from that moment on, this certain, this serpent, Satan, the devil, whatever is not any longer just this external whispering voice like you know like you see in Bugs Bunny or um well 
every pretty much every natural mind idea about what Satan is and does. Not just this external voice that sits on your shoulder and like whispers naughty things for you to do and think and get involved in and get addicted to. But that that very nature described in that lie became the governing nature of the Adamic man. The nature that actually, the lens through which they saw the world, the lens through which they saw God as a threat, at least immediately. I mean, that's someone that's going to kill me, judge me. I have to hide from him, I have to cover myself from him. Don't tell him we're here in the garden behind this bush, you know. Um, the way that they saw themselves, the way that they related to others, the way that everything in the natural, the natural realm, instead of being a something that God created to point to his eternal purpose, suddenly everything in the natural realm becomes a means to our own purpose. That's why they took the tree. I mean, that's why they took the fruit. It was, it was, they, they, they reached out and, 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 and used something for a purpose independent of God. They made the first break in all of creation from the purpose of God, right there. And they did it by believing this lie and becoming this lie. Okay? And so, getting back around to what I was saying a second ago, so, so how, the, way I, the way I've come to see this, and, and not just from this verse, because, um, because most of this comes really from just reading the New Testament, you know, over and over, and seeing, seeing these seeing these verses about Satan pop up and the way that the, uh, the, the, that Jesus talked about Satan, the way that the, the uh, apostles talked about Satan, they described the kingdom of Satan, the way that Satan talked about himself uh, in Luke chapter 4 especially when he was tempting Jesus. What I see is that the relationship of the Adamic man with Satan isn't an external whispering voice, but rather an internal governing nature. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has a legion of demons in them that Jesus needs to send into a herd of swine. I, I, but, but I am saying that I believe that with or without demons, Adam's nature is an expression of, of this lie and this nature. I mean, the nature that works in the Adamic man is the nature that Satan made them eat or offered to them to eat in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And and so you, you start to see Satan... I mean, there's very little mention of Satan in the Old Testament. There's a few verses here. Uh, here and there is one where um, uh, Satan tempts uh, uh, David to number... The or, or or suggest to David or something to to number. It's interesting because when one re, one retelling of that story says Satan tempted David, and the other one says that like David did it himself somehow. It doesn't mention Satan. It says it came out of David's heart. But anyway, um, and then you see him in Job, um, you know, and 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 beginning of Job, and, and there's a few other places, um, but. It's, he's not like a big player in the Old Testament. Oh, I mean, I, let, me, let me put it this way. I think he's like the main player, but I don't think his name's mentioned. I mean, I think everything that you see in the Adamic man is an exp- expression of that of that man. I mean, of that creature, of that 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 nature, that that being, that serpent, whatever. But I don't think he gets a lot of attention. He doesn't get a lot of in- attention until another nature 
comes on the scene and begins to talk about removing his influence from the human soul. That's when he starts to get a bunch of attention in the scriptures when we get to the New Testament. And Jesus starts saying things like, I'm going to cast him out. Or, uh, you know, this one has nothing in me. He has no place in me. Or, uh, or, or Satan is seen trying to get that same influence into Jesus' life, offering him his own anything apart from God the Father, offering him a city, offering him miracles, offering him the, the world, offering him whatever. Uh, apart, you know, basically redoing the, the Garden of Eden thing, but this time with, with Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus resists all of that. But, but what you see there is, is that now there's this contrast. There's another nature involved. Another nature has come onto the scene. And, and it's the nature of, of, of Christ. It's the, or you could say this. It's the nature of righteousness, which is the nature of Christ. And so you have two natures. And these two natures are two kingdoms. That's what they are. One is a kingdom of righteousness. One is a kingdom of darkness. Or you could say one is the nature of righteousness and one is the nature of sin. Or you could say one is the kingdom of Jesus and one is the kingdom of Satan. It's all For me, it's all saying the exact same thing. But the, but the kingdom of darkness isn't. Now this is, this is really important. The kingdom of darkness isn't just a bunch of demons running around doing bad things. The kingdom of darkness is the Adamic soul that has absolutely no light and therefore is governed in the absence of light. Now that's what I think the kingdom of darkness is all about. And that's why Satan takes Jesus up to the top of a mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and says, they're all mine. He wasn't talking about the buildings he wasn't talking about the you know the pretty things that they built or the I don't know the the rivers and the trees and the chickens. He was talking about the people. They're all mine. They're all mine. He's, and Jesus doesn't argue with them. Doesn't doesn't say no. They're not. They're gods. Come on. And and you see that same that same language. The god of this world. The prince of this world. The the ruler of this world. Uh, all John First John says all the power. All all the world lies in the power of the evil one. Again, not because there are 14 demons in every soul or seven that go out and come back with more or whatever, but because in the absence of his nature and life and light and truth, in the darkness that Jesus said, of which Jesus said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. In that darkness, there is a nature that governs and lives and constrains the way we think, the way that we still live, naturally speaking, by the lie. What lie? The lie that you can be or have something in yourself, that you can be like God, that you can have wisdom, that you have your own purpose, your own value. God, you know, the lie comes right into the church and says God wants to use what you are naturally. God wants to adjust and change, fix, but use all of the wonderful values that you have from your own wisdom and your own tree of knowledge and your own ability to be like God because, hey, you were created in God's image. 
I mean, the lie is right there, it's squeezed into our theologies and our and, and 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 our Bible commentaries and everything. I mean, it's all it's just it just makes its way in because it it lives in the dark. It's a kingdom of darkness, and it has expressions through that natural man. So, so so as you read through the New Testament, you start to see. Um, you start to see that when Adam was expressing himself, in other words, when there wasn't an increase of Christ, the light, the life, the truth, the kingdom of righteousness in people, Jesus called it Satan. Um, sort of the apostles. Uh, one really obvious place is John chapter 8, where, where, where Jesus says, just kind of point blankly, he doesn't pick out a couple really naughty guys and say, your father is the devil. He just says it to all of them. You know, my father is uh, the father that you don't know, he says. If you would have known my father, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. But your father is the devil. And the things of your father you desire to do. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. That is to say, he was not, Jesus says, he didn't stand in the truth. He was contrary to the truth and he was also contrary to life. That's what he did. He didn't kill them with an axe, you know. He, the serpent didn't come out of, you know, the tree with like a little pickaxe, you know. He wasn't that kind of a murderer, but he was a, a murderer in that he, 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 he took them away from the tree of life. You see, he, 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 in the day that you eat of the fruit, you shall die. That's the way he killed them. He separated them from life. And that's what he was from the beginning. And that's the nature that you immediately begin to see expressing itself in Genesis 3, 4, 5, 6, up to the flood, and then after also. But especially right then, God makes a lot of comments about it. And then... Uh, and, and, and that is the nature that fills the Adamic soul. The nature uh, uh, that is contrary to the truth and a nature that is contrary to life. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus comes and says things about being the truth and the life. But uh, the opposite of that is this, is this nature of, of Satan. So he says, you know, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you, you want to do. You're a slave, he says, to that nature. You're a slave to sin. That's his nature. And, uh, and, 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 and there's nothing you can do about it except for die and the cross and be given a new nature, a new life, become partakers of the divine nature. That's the only option. That's the only, you know, that's the kind of thing he was offering them. You know, he said, I'm the son and I can make you free. And they were laughing and, and uh, you know, making fun of him and calling him in that same chapter. Uh, it's so weird how they say, do we not say correctly? It's like this proper way of insulting Jesus. Do we not say correctly that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? And Jesus says, I am not a Samaritan, nor am I demon-possessed. But uh, I can just I picture like people with like British accents like having this little argument. But, um, sorry, that's a little weird. Um, I, I, but... So, so that's one place where you, you can you can plainly see that Jesus is is kind of like get, making these blanket statements over the the entire Adamic race and calling them sons of the devil, and uh, or uh, you know maybe one of the, the the most obvious ones just to prove that he wasn't talking about really naughty Jewish Pharisees. Peter says. 
you know, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Sar- Simon Barjona, because this was not revealed to you uh, from flesh and blood, but from my Father in heaven. And then, like, it's I literally, I, I think it's like five verses later, one time I counted, but Peter, he says, you know, Jesus says, I need to go to the cross and die, and, and Peter says, far be it from you, you know, to go to the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Get, he just said, my father revealed to you who I really am. And now he says, get behind me, Satan. I don't think, personally, that Satan, the the, the being, the serpent, this, slithered into his soul for a minute and said that. You know, I think that when Peter was acting and speaking... Uh, according to his own nature, his own darkness, his own contrariness to truth and life. Uh, Jesus recognized that nature. Jesus immediately saw it to be contrary to, to the things of God. In fact, that's what he said. He said, get behind me, Satan, because you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Man, so he he kind of puts together these two words, Satan and man. Get behind me, Satan, because you are talking about the things of man. Oh, there's lots of others here. I have I have some other um, uh, listed here. There's uh, let's see. There oh, there's uh, Paul calls um, the, the those those who are not. Um, the unbelievers, basically the ones who are refusing Jesus, he makes reference to them at one point and says, the spirit, he says, they are, they're basically slaves to the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. Talks about the God of this world. Um, there's times where Paul says, like, I wanted to go to such and such a city, but Satan hindered us. Again, I'd, I suppose it could have been the actual serpent himself or whatever, but more likely it was just... Adam, you know, people throwing him in prison and and rejecting him and and beating him, you know, as they constantly did. Um, There's a place in Timothy where he talks about escaping the snare of the devil, having taken us captive or taken, he's talking about the world, captive by him to do his will. Um, Let's see here. Uh, There's a there's the place where. Paul talks about, do not let the sun go down on your anger, or you will give the devil a place. And uh, incidentally, I don't think that's talking about the natural setting of the sun. I think it's talking about letting human anger, wrath, become the the, the, the reason for the... The light going dim in your heart, the the sun going down in your heart, the day star going back down, you know, the light not not losing your salvation, but losing your perspective in the light. And and what is that dark? If you allow that darkness to be uh, how you're seeing, if you let the sun go down in your heart, then there is a nature that still governs in that darkness. There's a nature that that can rule. And rain uh, wherever there is no light. And um, anyway, I I guess I'm saying all this because I don't know. 
uh, like I've said several times now, but I don't know exactly how to understand the the, the specific historical details of the of the tree and the serpent and the talking and the all of that. But I, I believe that um, that we we shouldn't really see Satan as this. Um, this being or this collection of beings in a hierarchy and and how we think we know so much about that i i just don't understand i mean there's just so i mean i mean and what i'm saying is how how there are so many books on demons and spiritual warfare that are so specific about how the whole thing works and 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 so much focus on how to fight them and how to beat them and how to get them out of your cities and out of your churches and out of your family's history and i i mean the Bible is so silent about all of that. I don't know. I mean, it just seems to just fascinate the flesh to talk about that stuff. I mean, there's little tit- tidbits here and there, but without details and usually in type and shadow language and, and whatever. At any rate, I don't, I don't, for me at least, I don't, I believe in Satan. I believe in demons. I believe that Jesus encountered, you know, those things and, and, and that, and that th- those things are real. But, but more worrisome to me than a demon coming in my room and trying to ruin my natural life, okay, by giving me a, a tumor or something, is the the nature of the lie, the darkness in which that nature rules and reigns in my heart wherever I am not permitting the light of Christ to shine. Now that, that, that seems to be... Uh, a much more, I don't know, I don't want to say scary, but a much, a much more, it, it's, a, it's a reality that I feel like I experience a lot. The darkness of the Adamic mind and nature that is governed, or the Adamic mind or, or, or soul that is governed by the nature of, of darkness. And I think that Satan's got better things to do, so to speak, than to try to ruin our day. You know, to to touch our natural things and destroy. We, I mean, we always blame blame him for everything bad that happens in our natural life. But I think that 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 his his goal from the very beginning in Genesis chapter three is what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter four to blind the eyes, to blind the eyes, or to or to give us another lens by which we see ourselves, see the world, see God, to give us a perspective that is contrary to the truth and contrary to life. He's a murderer and a liar, and that's what he is. Jesus says it. That's what he is by nature. And and Jesus, um, I'm running out of time here, man. I didn't even get past the first little part here, but that's okay. Um, Jesus comes and begins to speak of, and I really, I really think this is interesting, and I don't really understand it very well, but I'll just, I'll just put this out there for you guys to look at and consider. Um, Jesus begins to talk to Israel or speak in, speak in Israel about the removal of Satan f- from Israel. And he says, for instance, uh, when he when he uh, um, when he's about to go to the cross in John chapter twelve uh, verse thirty one he says now is the judgment of the world 
And now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler of this world will be cast out. Cast out of what? I don't think he's cast out of the old creation. I don't think he's cast out of the entire Adamic race. But I do think Jesus was going to accomplish something. He was going to make a new Israel, a new people, a new land in which Satan would not be would not have a place. In the light, in the truth of this new creation, this new city, this new land. I mean, I don't know the, all the language you, you could use for it, but that, that he would be removing Satan, Satan's place from the human soul. The place where he has set up his government and his kingdom in the darkness of the Adamic heart. And, uh, and, and, and some, so, so I guess you see verses that talk about how Jesus, for instance, a couple of places says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, destroy the works of the evil one. Well, what are those works? Well, it, 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 he, 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 he had successfully established, Satan that is, a kingdom in Adam, in the soul. And Jesus, it's not just when, you know, when we, we read that verse, he came to destroy the works of Satan, we almost always think about like um, poverty uh, or, or, uh, or, or sickness, you know. And, and I'm not saying that Jesus can't touch those things too. Uh, he did and he can. But, uh, well, it didn't do much about poverty really. But um, in fact, he said that poor you'll always have with you. But he did heal some bodies and things. But uh, destroying the works of, of, of the devil seems to me to have much more to do with removing his kingdom from the soul of Israel, from, from, from the true Israel of God, casting him out. In fact, I think you see a type and, picture, type and shadow of this when Jesus sends out the 72, and, and again, don't take me too seriously on this because I don't really know what I'm talking about, but Jesus sends out the, um, the 72, uh, and they go out to all the cities of Israel. Remember that story? And then they come back to, to, to him and they say, all, even all the demons, they, they submitted to us, Lord, in your name. And then what, is, what does Jesus say? He says, I was watching, is how it literally is, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I mean, it's such a weird, I just read that last night, I was lying in bed and I was reading that, and I was like, that is the weirdest, one of those things that just... It's such a weird response. You know, they come back from this little mission. They've gone to these cities. They've healed the sick. They've proclaimed the kingdom. They've cast out demons. They come back and they tell Jesus that, that, that even the demons submit. And Jesus says, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Well, I don't really know exactly what that means. But it seems to kind of have to do with what I just said. That the room, he was, you know, maybe in a more natural uh, way before the cross, in natural Israel with natural casting out of, of, of demons. He was, he was seeing this removal of Satan's influence from his Israel. He was, he was seeing Satan's uh, government, kingdom, losing ground from this heavenly people, this spiritual people that, 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 that Israel really is in his mind. And, um, yeah, I guess that's about all I, I should, I should probably stop with that, even though I didn't really start much of what I was going to say, but 